Hi, my name is Miranda. Welcome to our weekly Maison Mission program. This is episode 12. Maison Mission is an inclusive faith community. The word Maison comes from a Greek word that means greater. The Maison Mission is about finding greater spaces for people to hear and experience the good news of Jesus. You can find out more about Maison Mission through the links in the description of this program. Well, good morning or afternoon or whenever it is that you are listening uh, to this. Welcome to Maison Mission and welcome to uh, the season of Lent. I know that this is the second Sunday uh, in Lent and Lent may be a season that is new to you. It was to me about 10 years ago. I didn't grow up uh, observing uh, a Lenten fast or a season where we give up something or perhaps even take on something, uh, a discipline, a spiritual discipline, generosity. Uh, We take something on uh, or we give something up in the hopes that God will show up in that space and do a work in us that only he can do. And I've, I've learned to look forward to it, uh, even though it's a, a, a season that is rooted in uh, repentance of allowing God to reveal in us the things uh, that need to be changed as we desire to be image bearers uh, of him. And I have a pastor friend in Oklahoma named John Middendorf, and he says something to the tune of this. He said, Lent is the season where we look at Christ And then we look at ourselves and we confess the difference. And I I love that image because it acknowledges that that we are on this journey of trying more and more to be Christ-like in in everything that we do, but (laughs) we aren't there yet. And that's where we confess and that's where we repent and that's where we allow God to show up and do inside of us things that we cannot do for ourselves. And so this year we're focusing, um, our theme, our series is called Again and Again. And I just wonder if I could sit down with everybody that's watching this and and kind of do an interview and say, when I say the words again and again, what is the first thing that comes to mind? And I think that the answers would be all over the place. I think that it could go a million different directions because some people naturally find the good in life and they would say again and again, this good thing keeps happening, right? And then there's people on the other side that would say, yeah, those people really annoy me because again and again, they happen to see Uh, the negative, the negative um, in themselves, the negative in others, the the negative in their circumstances again and again and again. And and so some of it is just who we are. It's how we're internally wired. Some of it has to do with uh, the circumstances of our life as to how we hear these phrases like again and again. Uh, One of the pastors that was instrumental in putting this uh, series together, uh, she speaks to this, and I'm going to read this and and quote from her. Her name is Reverend Lauren Wright Pittman, and she said, I most easily identify with the negative connotations associated with the phrase again and again. Each day I wake up, it feels like an echo chamber of bad news, an endless cycle of disappointment, and the disconcerting kind of deja vu. The truth is, as humans, 
we mess things up over and over again. Humanity's cacophonous rhythm of again and again harms our neighbor, ourselves, and the entirety of creation. You'd think we'd learn from our mistakes. Perhaps take a lesson from history and put an end to this cycle. But I've got to be honest, as of late, I've almost lost hope in us which leads me to God's again and again, she says. I'm so unbelievably grateful for the ways God shows up over and over again, despite our best efforts to push God away. Thank God that we are not left alone in our destructive cadence, but we are met by God, repeatedly forgiven, and mercifully shown the way. I hope to be ever cognizant of humanities again and again and resist the currents that keep us spinning in sin. I also hope to learn, lean into and cling to God's again and again, which is ultimately this wonderful pattern of unearned grace. Let's pray. God, would you be with us in these next few moments as we lean into one of your again and again. Would you show up and do a work in us, specifically in this season, that we cannot do for ourselves? We pray in Christ's name. Amen. As I was preparing for this message, I was reminded of the early years of marriage for Heather and I. Uh, we were young and dumb and in love, and I guess I should only speak for myself, but I kind of assume it for both of us. And I know that for me, I had this understanding or maybe a misunderstanding that because we were both Christians, because we both loved Jesus with, with all of our heart, that marriage was going to be easy for us. I mean, it may be hard for all those other people out there that, that weren't as serious about their relationship with God as we were, but for us, no, no. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, and this marriage thing is going to be a piece of cake. <laughs> I think you may know where this is going. I, uh, if I'm honest, I, I would confess that, that I also thought that Heather would probably just kind of check her will and her opinions uh, at the door and would pretty much think that most of my ideas and my opinions were great and just kind of get in line and, and follow me on these things. And I think you probably know how, how that worked out as well. No fault of hers. It was an unreal, unrealistic expectation that I have and that I had. I don't have it anymore, but uh, I have a stubborn streak and I have a tendency to dig my heels in, especially uh, in my mid-20s. And I still do it today, if I'm completely honest. And I found that I married someone who also uh, could be stubborn and could dig her heels in as well. And I learned quickly that this wife of mine was not going to be uh, a pushover. And now, 20 years in, uh, I'm thankful for that. I'm grateful for that because it's it's helped me grow and progress uh, as a man, as a husband, as a father in, in many different ways. But I wasn't so thankful for it then. And I, I'm sure it's never happened in your marriage, uh, but it, it did in ours. We had some incredibly passionate uh, disagreements, which is basically Christian code for we had some unbelievably infantile 
just knock down, drag out arguments verbally, right? Like not really knock down, drag out. We didn't, it never progressed there. But we had these arguments and I'll tell you what, at the end of some of these arguments, I honestly couldn't even remember what we had started arguing about because it had gone down all of these different paths and rabbit trails and so off topic. And if there was one refrain that I heard many, many times in those early years of our marriage, it was something along the lines of this, Levi, you don't listen. All you are interested in is being right and picking a fight. You do not listen. And so, of course, in the moment, in in all of my immaturity, I would respond in just complete astonishment and dismay and just couldn't believe that that she was saying these things uh, about me. I would defend myself, my words, my actions. Now get this, all while knowing that she was absolutely right, that I wasn't listening that I wasn't listening. I wasn't hearing anything that she was saying because every time she would speak, I wouldn't listen. I would just load up on some more ammunition. And I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it at all. And on my worst days, I can still slip back into that. But thank God, those days are fewer and fewer uh, the, the longer that we are married. And quite frankly, I'm jealous of the people that listening comes easily to. Listening has never been uh, an easy thing for me, and I've really only admitted to myself in the, the last several years that I have to be intentional to listen, or else I have a tendency to just fill uh, a conversation, uh, a meeting, a disagreement with my own voice and my own opinions. And I don't know if it's a universal truth, but I know that it's at least true uh, about me that uh, some of us that don't listen well hold to very, very strong opinions and struggle to be open to the opinions of others. And so today what we're talking about with this again and again is that uh, over and over again and again, God invites us to listen. God invites us to listen. And there is a character in the Bible that I've been incredibly thankful for. And his name is Peter. And he is this guy who is either getting things just spectacularly correct or he is king of missing the point. Like he is getting it wrong in catastrophic ways. And so I'm so grateful for this guy, Peter, in the scriptures, because I feel like we've been soul brothers uh, for a long time. He's this guy that uh, he has a great heart. (laughs) And I would even say that about myself. Like, I feel like I have a great heart and great intentions, but sometimes Peter and sometimes folks like me, we can't get out of our own way. And Peter, turns out, is a pretty terrible listener, naturally. He's often content to fill a moment with his own voice uh, rather than listening uh, to the voice 
of others. And so if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Mark chapter 8. And there's a lot that is going on in this uh, chapter of Scripture. Okay, and so if you have a Bible and you're going to follow along, you can turn to uh, Mark chapter 8, and we're going to begin in verse 31. But there's a little interaction between Jesus and his disciples that I just want to tell you about before we read the scripture. So the little section of scripture just before Mark 8, 31, Jesus is sitting with his disciples and uh, they're sitting around listening to him. And he asks them a question. And the question he asks is, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And so they answered, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Uh, Others say that uh, you are Elijah. Others say that you are one of the ancient prophets. And Jesus takes this in. And then he says, but who do you say I am? And in one of his shining moments, Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. That, that he is the rescuer, that he is the son of God. He is the one that the, the Jewish folks have been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds of years. And he gets it right. He identifies Jesus for, for who he is. And so this is one of his good moments. And, and so Jesus looks at his disciples and he basically says, hey, keep this on the down low. Don't go and tell anybody this. And Then he goes on with this teaching, and it begins in verse 31. And it says, He, Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter, who just got it right, took him aside to rebuke him. Mm. This would be one of those shining moments when Peter didn't know when to listen. This was a moment where he needed to listen, but instead he thought it was a good moment to speak. In fact, to pull Jesus aside privately and to rebuke him for what he had just said. Now, why? Why did, why did Peter do this? Why was he compelled to rebuke Jesus? Basically, because what Jesus just said did not fit into the template that Peter held for a Messiah. Because what he had been taught and what he understood and what he knew to be true was that the Messiah was going to show up and was going to blow up. The Messiah was going to come in and and wield power the same way that Rome did. In his mind, the Messiah would come in, he would would lead an uprising, a throwdown with Rome, and in the end, Israel would be sitting in the seat of power. And so Peter couldn't hear it. He he couldn't listen to what Jesus was saying because this idea that he was to be, that he was to suffer, that, that he was to be beaten, that he was to be killed, it didn't line up with his understanding of who the Messiah was. And so in that moment, Jesus actually had a crushing rebuke for Peter. Verse 33 says, when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely 
human concerns. He was one of these, Peter, you need to hush up and listen kind of moments. The very next section of scripture is one that we looked at just a few weeks ago, the transfiguration where Jesus and three disciples go up on the mountain and they there they, they encounter uh, Jesus and Moses, Moses and Elijah. And uh, Peter wants to build tabernacles. We're not going to get into all that today, but uh, the, the ending part of that section of scripture is in Mark 9, 7, it says, Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to him. Again and again, God is inviting us to listen. And we look at this interaction between Peter and Jesus, and, and we can see that Jesus was using this moment to teach Peter, a hard truth, a truth about his understanding of how God was going to act in the world, a truth about something that had most likely been believed by generations in Peter's own family, a hard truth that the Messiah was not going to show up and blow up as Peter had suspected, that he was going to be the suffering servant that he was going to exhibit sacrificial, self-giving love. And Peter didn't understand that. And so sometimes we can be the recipients of these these hard truth moments. And, and sometimes it happens on an individual level. And, and sometimes it happens on a, a cultural or a societal level as well. And I believe that God speaks in all kinds of ways. I believe that uh, he speaks through his word. I believe that he speaks through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. I believe that he speaks uh, through uh, individuals and that he will speak through movements that include many voices that are declaring a common message. And I've shared this before publicly, but I haven't shared it here uh, at Maison. But I was, I was ignorant to the fact that racism was still a rampant issue in our country uh, until I had an experience in college where uh, a bunch of guys that I played soccer with who were almost all white except for our one friend, Eric, uh, we would go up to the, the Okoe River um, and we, we would swim, we would jump in with a boogie board, we would do crazy things that uh, were a lot of fun then. And I look back on it and think, thank God nobody really got hurt. But we'd invited our friend Eric to come to the river with us. And he was really hesitant. And he said, I, I'll come with you guys on one condition, that you promise me we will leave Polk County, Tennessee before the sun goes down. And at first, I, I thought he was kidding. I thought, what, what in the world is Eric talking about? And uh, I even asked, or somebody in the, the group asked, well, why? Why do we have to be back before the sun goes down? He goes, well, the people in Polk County don't take too kindly to my kind, a black man. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, I've never had to worry about being out of a certain uh, county before the sun went down for, for my own personal safety. And it, 
it was this moment that opened me up to realize that the racism was not a thing of the past uh, in this country. And, and God used Eric's voice uh, to allow me to be open 20 years later to listening and believing the, the voices of other black brothers and sisters who are pro- proclaiming hard truths today that need to be heard. And it's really interesting because God used Eric individually to speak to me. And then in the last five years or so, God has used a grouping of voices that I was open to, I believe, because of that interaction with my friend Eric uh, to open me up to um, some some common themes that, that are being proclaimed about uh, racial injustice and the lack of racial equality uh, in this country. And so, again and again, God is inviting us to listen as his people, uh, individually and collectively. But sometimes when he speaks, it is a hard truth. It is something that we don't want to hear, but we need to hear it. And the beautiful thing about the the story of Peter is that he eventually got it. He eventually got it because he messed up. He messed up several more times, but he ended up being the rock. In fact, that's what his name meant, Cephas Rock, that that Christ said he was going to build his church on. And he went out after Jesus' death and resurrection and was one of the main mouthpieces that, that Jesus was the Messiah. And so while he wasn't listening well that one day, again and again, God invited him to listen. And somewhere along the line, he got it. So where are you being invited to listen in this Lenten journey? Because again and again, we are being invited to listen. So listen to God as he speaks to us through scripture. Listen to God as he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Listen to God as he speaks to us through Jesus. Listen to God as he speaks through the voices of the oppressed. Listen to God when he speaks through the voice of the underdog. Listen to the voice of God as he speaks through our children. Again and again, we are invited to listen. Let's pray. God, thank you for this season. Thank you for your invitation to listen. Thank you that you speak again and again, multiple times for some of us who are stubborn and we don't want to hear it, but we need to hear the hard truth. The hard truth that we don't listen well, that we're more content to fill the void with our own opinions rather than being open to hearing you. So God, I pray your blessings on each one uh, who is with us today and that you would speak loudly and clearly, that we would listen in obedience. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Go and be blessed. A few reminders before you go. We're getting together, for real, in person, next Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. at Jonesville Park. Kids can play on the playground, we can visit and talk safely outside and distance, and we're going to share together a time of communion. Bring your own food if you'd like, and join us for our first physical gathering. See you there! Continue the conversation with us at Sunday Download today at 4 p.m. on Zoom. 
This is a great time to connect with each other and talk about our weekly program and the journey that we're on together. If you're interested in joining us, let us know in the comments, message us, or send us an email at info at maisonmission.com. It doesn't matter where you are. We'd love to have you join us. We've partnered up with our friends at Borderland Mission in Nashville and many others around the world to put together a daily Lenten devotional program. These short videos will be released on our Facebook and YouTube channel daily until Easter Sunday. Make sure to like and subscribe. Maison Mission is a non-denominational church. These programs and conversations are only possible through the financial support and donations from people like you. If our program encouraged you today, consider supporting the Maison Mission with a one-time gift or on a recurring basis. You can give through the link shown on your screen. We will also be displaying our giving links on a slide at the conclusion of this program. Thanks. Join us next week as we continue in our series again and again. Have a great week. Thank you.